Just before we get into today's episode, I want to cast your ears over here to this promo for a few minutes and explain why you might be missing out if you're not using Adobe Express. You've heard of Adobe, right? The chaps that brought you Illustrator, InDesign, and who hasn't been asked, has this been photoshopped? Adobe is a household name. But have you heard of Adobe Express? I hadn't until the back end of last year, and then, well, I did. Now, I'm not saying that in a few years' time, people will be asking you, where were you when you discovered Adobe Express? But they may ask why you didn't start using it sooner. Using Adobe Express allows endless opportunities to scale up your creatives and improve your efficiency and productivity, as well as anything I've seen or used. Creating and editing all your creative output with more customizable templates than a Rubik's Cube has variations. Well, all right, maybe not 43 quadrillion, but you get the idea. And that is just your basics. It's the funky little features that make a difference. Removing backgrounds from videos and images, resizing them, converting files, QR code generation, and animating your audio are all options that come in really useful and stop you scratching around over multiple apps to resolve simple issues. If you don't want to miss out on any of this, use one of the links in the show notes that will take you to a free trial of Adobe Express. Or why not supersize it and trial the complete Adobe Creative Cloud package, which includes Adobe Express, as you'd imagine. Oh yeah, bonus point. If you're already a Creative Cloud user, Adobe Express is right there waiting for you. Now let's do it. And it's adding value to projects and it's creating greater certainty. And if nothing else, it's got people thinking about share of information and data and collaborating and, you know, singing off the same hymn sheet in a, in a way. Welcome to Construction Disrupted, the ultimate podcast for the construction industry, exploring the limitless possibilities at the dynamic intersection of construction and technology. Wow, that's a mouthful. Delve into the latest topics, news, events, expert insights, and marketing that are shaping the industry right now and in the future. We'll hopefully sprinkle a little bit of humor in there for you as well. I'm your guide, Peter Sumpton, and I run a construction technology marketing agency, Build Different. If you're ready to embrace disruption and unlock the potential of the construction industry, keep on listening and be part of the conversation that's reshaping the future of construction. If you're not, uh, I really wouldn't bother. It's, it's probably not going to be that interesting for you. Whether you're a construction technology professional or just part of the construction industry in general. This podcast is your go-to resource for staying informed, inspired, and of course, connected. Speaking of connected, the best way you can help to support this podcast is by sharing it far and wide and leaving us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. Right then, let's go and build different and get disruptive. When it comes to tradition... The construction industry can hold its own against other traditional industries, such as mining and agriculture. But with tradition comes a reluctance to change, an inherent need to keep things as they are. But this simply isn't true 
and it's unjust. We do need to change. And we have in various ways, some more obvious and visual than others, such as the impetus for on-site safety. But other changes that have occurred are more subtle, going unnoticed, ticking along in the background, yet have provided massive improvements in efficiency within construction. The use of Wi-Fi, apps, and CRMs, for example, we seem to have an imbalance in the force. Tech adoption challenges versus well-established technology. The need for on-site innovation versus off-site developments. New roles versus traditional roles. The focus on purpose versus making a goddamn profit. To help us unpick all of this, I welcome Ollie Hughes, Portfolio Director, Diversified Communications, and Digital Construction Week, DCW for short, co-founder. With an eye on the future, Ollie launched DCW, aimed at bridging traditional construction practices with cutting-edge technology. The force is strong with this one. Indeed, under Ollie's guidance, DCW has grown into the leading event for professionals in construction and technology. His deep knowledge, combined with his ability to connect people and ideas has transformed DCW into a must-attend event for anyone passionate about the future of construction. And it sounds like I'm on commission there, and I'm really not, but it is a really, really good event. So, Ollie, number one, welcome to the podcast. And number two, is there anything I've missed off there from that intro? Thanks, thanks for having me, firstly, uh, Peter. Uh, secondly, full disclosure, that was a, a bio I, I might have lent some ha- help from uh, ChatGPT for, uh, and that's the slightly less grandiose version of what it came out with <laughs> to start with. I dialed it down, and listening back, I think maybe I could have dialed it down, <laughs> dialed it down a bit more, whether that's the, uh, I don't know, any kind of imposter syndrome or anything else. But uh, no, no I, not at all. I feel like that. I feel like that probably rather nobly signs, sums it up. Uh, Fantastic. Oh, that's great. Thank you. We can uh, we can dive straight into it. So what I've done for this episode, because uh, Digital Construction Week, as as with everything, has its own website. And within that website is quite a lot of copy and content and information. So diving into that, uh, a lot of what we'll talk about comes from topics and areas on on the Digital Construction Week website, which makes absolute perfect sense. Um, so first and foremost, there is a lovely little paragraph when we were talking about tech adoption challenges that I just want to read and then get your thoughts on where we are and what we can do. So the, um, the, the quote is, somewhere along the way, construction software businesses lost sight of their customers. They built complex solutions they thought people wanted and needed, but failed to keep usability in mind often costing management time, money, and even project success. The problem is not whether new construction technology has benefited the industry. They have. The real question is whether these solutions have solved the correct problems and whether their actual value has justified the additional headaches and workloads spread across the whole organization. So that was the the, the quote, and I just thought it was very eloquently put because it summarizes how I certainly feel about where we are in terms of the challenges with, with tech adoption. But what I'd, I'd like to understand from yourself is what are your thoughts on 
the challenges we currently face when it comes to adopting technology that can really help the construction industry? Yeah, absolutely. And full disclosure, obviously, we do have a lot of great sponsor exhibitors with uh, some fantastic bits of kit. They're solving some great problems <laughs> on that. Uh, so I'll put that out there. I, I, I guess absolutely. it's it's kind <laughs> it's kind of thinking about you know what are the challenges we're looking to solve, like, and and how do we really hone in on the outcomes? You know, what what are we looking to achieve through tech adoption? And I think quite often there's a tendency to go towards a tool first like what's here's a solution well okay what's the problem what am i trying to achieve how do i measure that how do i put a business case together for it and and i think really that's got to be the first step in any mm. any conversation about digital transformation any conversation about a new product that you're going to use that you think might revolutionize your business or change the way you work is what am i what ultimately what am i trying to treat, achieve right and we talk a lot of the show about an outcome based approach you know when we're selecting sessions for the speaker program it's what are the outcomes we're looking to achieve rather than starting with the technology first um so i think that's i think that's first and foremost i think in terms of challenges they're pretty universal like so so the bit around my intro so the bit that i guess doesn't necessarily pick out i, I launched ecw in 2015 quit my job at a big corporate events company, had a real passion for this space and felt like there was an opportunity. Uh, so I guess bring people together and, and help shift, move the dial in terms of technological adoption and things like that in the built environment. But so we were running a small business. It was myself and my other co-founder. There was two of us, garden shed, kitchen table kind of set up. And I'd always seen ourselves as that S, I mean, micro, micro SME, the sort of the real S in that. If, but construction is 90% is SME. It's the longer tail of stuff. It's not all massive mm. big companies. So there's a lot to shift. And, and I always kind of looked at us as, you know, we were trying to do a lot with very little. We were trying to be innovative. We were trying to move fast. We were trying to be, have the best processes we could and everything else. But there were real barriers in terms of doing our job better. And we were just a small, nimble company, right? if I think about even invoicing that we were trying to, we spent hours upon hours. Luke, my, my co-founder would do it on a Sunday, you know, when the kids were doing their swimming lesson, that's right. Sending out invoices and everything else. And it, and, and it, it, looking back, it was mad, <laughs> you know, spending all that time when there are clearly services and solutions out there that could automate that process that could send our mm. chases, that could make sure it's paid, that could level it with a bank that would figure out at the end of the tax year, you know what, what our incomings and outgoings are but when you're so head down and kind of lost in running the business or it seems to be a cost that is unbudgeted that's going to you know come in and it, it makes it real a big challenge to sort of move towards these tech adoptions so i think there's some pretty universal challenges and if you think about in a built environment where you've got varying supply chains you've got businesses that aren't operating on massive profit margins i think you know still if you're hitting two percent you're doing pretty well it's quite a tough ask to say hey let's tear up the the rule book let's bring in a software that's going to cost tens of hundreds of thousands of pounds and that's probably just the license let alone the time to train people to upskill people to even convince them that doing the thing that they've always done that they're comfortable with that they understand when they get up to their desk on a monday morning they're not going to do anymore 
you know, there's some real basic challenges that I think whether you're in built environment construction or any business that, that hamper that first move, really, that sort of breeds a bit of, I don't know, an apathy, a challenge before you've even thought what tool can do the job, what do I want to achieve? So you've got some real rambly way around, but you've got what outcomes do I want to achieve and then how has place right. And I think that can be a real issue for, for tech adoption. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And and what I think we forget is that long tail that that SME in the industry that that's vital to construction and and the fact that they might not have that that capital to invest in in big technology. Not just that, but they might not have the time to do those important steps to you know to to research to work out what they want to achieve from it and then find it and implement it because they're too busy doing what they need to to do so it's um it's a really tricky one to anyone that thinks that it's it's just easy that that you know technology should just be um adopted it it, it can be it can be a tough one yeah yeah absolutely so with that with that in mind and in doing research for this um, there was actually another another quote, and it didn't come from from your website, unfortunately. So apologies <laughs> for that. Right. <laughs> uh, it's good, but, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You yeah. know, yeah. complete and utter uh, disclosure. There, we are going to steal things. From <laughs> no, we're, we're not. We're really not. Uh, so, so yeah, yeah. All all the references and links are in the in the show notes, as you'd expect. So what I want to move on is to kind of solving these adoption challenges that that we have. Uh, and, and this quote was, we're seeing a big push for greater transparency throughout the construction process. Companies that fail to adopt new technology will struggle to demonstrate the required transparency and will fall behind their peers. Right? And, and I think for me, that's, that's clear and obvious. There needs to be more transparency throughout the whole entire supply chain. Now, transparency might be the catalyst for a lot of change, but it, it can't be the only thing that helps accelerate the adoption of technology because there's so much different technology. So how do we help others? How do we speed up this adoption that is so clearly needed within our industry? Yeah, I, again, I think that's a, a challenge. I always think about the accelerating adoption as it's a bit of a challenge in itself. So, so we, we've been running DCW since 2015. So we've had near on 10 years of, of working this. And I, I'd been working in this sort of BIM space for a few years prior. And anytime you speak to people, the, the rhetoric is always, we're not moving fast enough, right? Like there's, there's big challenges. And actually as an industry, there's some real big goals around net zero, around house building targets, around safety. There's everything with the, with the, building safety bill and everything that's happened with Brenfield, there's a clear, and I would say urgent need, right? Like ultimately to change the way that we work, to deliver a better built environment, to provide more certainty, to, to, to really build better, create better assets, right? So there's, there's definitely that real and urgent need. But alongside that backdrop, there's the feeling that we haven't really excelled far enough or that we haven't done enough or that we're no real further than we were 10 years ago. And I, I kind of look at the show that we run each year and I, and I don't really think that that's the case. I do think there's been some real change, you know, through the industry in the last 10 years. I think the sheer fact that we're 
at a point to start having conversations about artificial intelligence and how that might help us mm. design and build better or that robotics are on site you know and are actually completing genuine tasks there's that kind of almost sci-fi-esque kind of tech but there's also just how we approach cloud computing the use of mobile devices the fact that we you know the connectivity you would have on a building project mm. on a site i think we have actually achieved a lot more than some would probably give themselves credit for so I always anytime there's a question like that i always think actually there has been some great advancements you know i think it was 2010 something like that the ipad came out in the uk you know within within five years they're being used on site now you know you would generally suggest between cloud computing between remote collaboration between everything else some sort of touchscreen device is pretty regular so i, I think we're i think in what we see each year we are getting better i think there is a sort of mm. an acceleration uh, yeah, I would suggest in the last 10 years. I think it was the MBS survey they did suggests that something in the region of three quarters of projects are now using BIM versus 10 years ago, it was one in 10. So there's a pretty big advancement there in itself, right? That's that's a pretty big shift, mm. I would suggest. And I know, depending on what people you speak to, people have varying views on what BIM has or hasn't achieved. Um but we're doing it right and it's adding value to projects and it's creating greater certainty and if nothing else it's got people thinking about share of information and data and collaborating and you know singing off the same hymn sheet in a, in a way so i think there is plenty that, that we are doing that we maybe don't give credit towards i guess so there's there's, there's one bit there which i guess is my my plea that actually that maybe let's be a little less hard on ourselves i think yeah, yeah. a lot of a lot of people that are in this space are banging down the door for change. And I imagine mm. that feels pretty hard going. You, you know, I, I remember a story from one of the big contractors. I, I knew a guy there and he was in their BIM team and he just wasn't getting the investment, wasn't getting support, wasn't getting listened to. Um, and the response from his director at the time was, well, listen, 20% of our projects are slated to have some level of BIM in them. So you're getting to get about 20% of my attention and 20% of my time. The minute that it's 80%, well, then let's start talking, right? And so I yeah. guess there's a, how do you create the business case for it? Because at the point that the majority that, that in the UK, 75% of projects are using BIM, well, that's when you start to elevate and the conversation goes further up than just, ah, well, we need to do BIM. So let's get someone, let's get someone in so we can win the bid or, or at least put one in. So I think there's some development around there. Certainly, if you think BIM, there's a shift in thinking towards information management. And actually, let's start thinking beyond BIM as a design tool, construction tool, and start thinking about it through a life cycle of a business, of a, of a building, of an asset. So there's definite shifts in thinking, and the conversation has certainly moved on. So I think, I think we're doing better than we think. Mm. It is just against yeah. the backdrop you know, of some pretty you know, urgent requirements from, from the industry. Yeah, it, it, there's that there's that balance, that payoff, isn't there? That there are urgent requirements, uh, uh, and that almost feels to some people that it requires an urgent reaction to utilize some type of technology to solve mm -hmm. those challenges, those problems. And I, I think with whenever you use the words technology or innovation or something similar, then you go into the realms of 
new age, brand new, completely revolutionary things where, as you rightly said, it, it doesn't it doesn't have to be revolutionary, although they can be game changers. Like you said, the iPad, you, you, you look at a, a building site and you can almost guarantee that most people will be carrying a phone for yeah. a particular reason, whether that's personal or whether it helps within the, the, the realms of, of business and building and construction, you know, there'll be something on there that can help them. And, and we yeah. utilize this technology anyway. Um, but when we talk about innovation and technology, it always feels like you're trying to te tell people about futuristic things when yeah. you're not 100%. really, like you said, slow yeah, and steady. Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of, I mean, we move on because like I will talk in a bit because I do think there's there's some steps to accelerate, you know, ultimately want to get there. Yeah. But there's a great example, the person that, that just speaking to recently that put in a really great frame for me is a guy called Matthew Jackson. He's part of the Zero team. They're doing lows towards uh, net zero for construction. So have a look at them and that group. But he phrased it as as if you think about retail and shopping, right? So now 30% of all UK retail is online not in shops, not a supermarket, not whatever else. But as an individual, I don't think anyone sat down and go, do you know what? I'm going to transform the way I shop. <laughs> you know, I'm going to go through a complete transformation. It was just, oh, do you know what? This is easier. This makes sense. Yeah. I've got it in the palm of my hand. I'm not going to be in the house. I don't know what, you know, and, and, and I think sometimes those small changes actually have a big impact, right? Because mm -hmm. the vast majority of shopping, of us are shopping online in huge numbers. But it wasn't necessarily a, a real big concerted effort. Obviously, for the tech companies behind that, <laughs> you're, you're a card as your Amazon, everything else, been a huge amount of work there. But yeah. I don't think if you think about the people aspect, going to people and saying, right, I'm going to revolutionize the way that you work. Your day job is never going to be the same, right? You're going to change the systems. You're going to change how you report. Everything that you knew out is out the window. You've got to be pretty bold and brave and confident in your work and your own learning ability and knowledge to go yeah i'm comfortable with that throw it at me yeah. Yeah. you know because the reality is we've all gotten to a point you know most of us where you've gained experience and that's been learned and you've learned from mistakes that have been fairly hard earned or you've learned from other people's you know you've, you've done all of that kind of development so then to turn around and go yeah yeah everything you've everything you thought is, is now out the window you you are no longer the expert you are going back to learning it's a big, it's a big mm. move, you know, it's a, a, and I think certainly even at our show, we talk about transformation and change as if it's just this easy thing. Tran like, I, I'm sure if you looked up the dictionary definition of transformation, I reckon it's probably going to be as, as grandiose as my chat GPT bio, you know, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty big. <laughs> so I think there's a bit in that. And, and, and you know, I, mm. I guess ultimately that's what it boils back down to is the, the biggest challenge often is, is people. It's it's yeah. skills, it's training, it's people's desire to work. It's the fact that probably as an industry, we're pretty risk adverse, you know, I would suggest, or certainly, you know, have a business model that, that manages risk. So to go and enforce these changes, yeah, it's, it's a big, it is a big step. And, and that's the bit that I think needs needs the work and needs the thinking about. Um, mm. and, 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 and again, that bit around giving credit for what has gone before, you know, people are changing the way they work, changing the way they deliver. The, the pandemic's a really great example of moving towards remote working and different working patterns and, you know, on, on a building site that you can't necessarily get to and explore and experience. 
COVID sort of forced us down that route of, okay, I can't mm. be hands-on, I can't be on site, I can't be in the room, but how do I manage this process? So I think there's small bits where we're adapting and I think people are probably becoming more akin, more more open to actually a bit more constant change, which we're going to have to do. You know, if you get yeah. into any of the topics around AI, that is just a continuous learning pattern for anyone really. So. So yeah, the, the people bit around around accelerating, yeah, I think I think it's a big a big challenge in itself. Uh, okay, cool. So, just just moving on ever so slightly, or, or picking up on, on on a point you made there about about people. Um, so so again, going back to your website, there was a, a, another mm. quote, quite a, a short quote this time, and it was technology has a huge has huge potential in construction. You know, that's that's clear and obvious, both in the planning stage, but also in the actual construction process itself. Because I think we can sometimes forget that, that there's 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 two things going on here, which I'll, I'll come back to in a second. Then it said, however, to engage hearts and minds, it needs to demonstrate tangible value for the industry. So if we're going to, or if we're going to have any chance of changing um, hearts and minds, it's clear it's got to be about the people and and we forget that people are the critical factor in this technology. You know, we all focus on the tech, but it's the people that are still going to be, you know, using it and implementing it and, and need to not evolve with it, but know how to, to use these things. So more of a long-winded way of saying that there's kind of a, there's two two things going on here. There's the on-site and there's the off-site. You know, there's the flow of info to the site, but there's communications going on off-site and technology off-site as well. How do we look to connect the two? Uh, because as we know, it's a fragmented industry and you know the worst thing we can do is fragment it even further in organizations or between two organizations working on a particular project, one off-site, one on-site. So in, in your own thoughts and, and words, how do we connect this on-site to off-site? Yeah, I, it's a really good question. And, and it's, it's something that I'm always aware of with the show. You know, we talk about a lot of process. We talk a lot of stuff at the desk, right? It's it's on the computer, it's data, it's information. And then you go to a construction site and it's it's a hole in the ground, right? Like, and it's it's starting from, you know, that first shovel or, or whatever else that goes in. So you've mm -hmm. got two very different experiences. You've got that huge long supply chain everything down the, the line to the to the the bricky the sparky everything else are, are they necessarily engaged in all the great conversations that we've had about digital twins and standards and i you know probably not what's what's their part of that conversation i guess ultimately if we're thinking from that process bit so there's 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 a big challenge there i you know i do mention digital twins i think there's there's a, a big play there in terms of replicating what we actually are designing what we're actually building what that building looks like and continues to look like um so i think there's some opportunities there to look at i think the other element is construction as a, a, a model i guess you know I, I read an article on linkedin the other day where it, you know it's referencing every individual building and asset is a prototype so it's in a different place, it's with a different supply chain, it's a different layout, it's different materials, it's different weather, you know, anything that you can think of each, ultimately and generally is a completely different project, ish, ish. There's lots of things that are similar, you know, in terms of even material selection, you know, there's, there's learning to be had, right? 
but generally each project is is start from scratch to an extent so you yeah. then think about you know um you think about dfma design for manufacturer assembly you think about off-site construction you think about mark farmer's modernize or die report and the kind of suggestions from that and and shifting that model to create greater certainty you know that then creates a process that's a little bit more um uh, i don't know repeatable ultimately i guess mm. so then that sort of starts to engage a bit more of the that whole supply chain so your, your function is a lot more similar on each project so there's some realm in there i think the other thing is splitting out what we think technology for the on-site bit is so i've seen some great examples of a health and safety app this was some time mm. ago but it was basically anytime there's an issue on site there's carbon copies of the report they're filled out they're countersigned they're submitted they're everything else and it's a huge time drain so this app's whole premise was if if there's a huge amount of data from that about the project about the you know facilities around everything else can that not be pre-done on any given project and can we not save time on these health and safety forms in a relatively menial task and and i, th I think they had like a couple of days a few days saved on average on projects which is actually quite a lot of time if all you're thinking yeah. is just admin so are there solutions that actually engage that that on-site deliverable bit in a slightly different way that feeds in and obviously data and information all feeds into that but what's the value add for you on site you know if your job mm -hmm. as a as an electrician is to come in on a on a new build housing estate and you go right we need aerial sockets we need plugs we need whatever else here's the digital twin <laughs> you know whatever else that we're expecting to build are they going to do that or are they going to well you want one in the you want one in the bedroom you want three in the kitchen you want, you want eight in the living room behind the team and, and then go in and fit it so where is their engaged what's the value add for them to get involved mm. and maybe that is around how they manage the tasks around snagging you know you know i know that's probably real top level loose and a bit sort of uh, uh you know making light of it but i guess that's what we're thinking about is what is what's people's buy-in in terms of the of technology adoption because it's going to be very different you know it's not yeah, absolutely. standards absolutely but it, it's all like you just say it's all about time, time saving and if it saves a day and a half on working out where electricity points go plumbing is needed whatever that is uh, or it means that multiple contractors can can work on a project at the same time then yeah. you know the, the the cost time resource savings are, are, are clear and obvious you know and and i also think that it needs to work upwards as well as downwards and i know we're talking really really like you said top level quite generic here but you know there's also that getting people involved again going back to what you just said and getting them involved that people that are on site and understanding the importance of of things like if you install a boiler scanning it and then that goes into a centralized location which helps with warranties guarantees it helps us understand where new boilers are being fitted and and if there's any hot spots in the country or uh, whatever it might be you know it works both ways the flow of of info yeah. um and and it's on onboarding can't stand that but it's onboarding people <laughs> uh to make them understand you know what their role is and how that is developing yeah, I, I, absolutely. I, you know, I think there's there's an example from one of our um, 
exhibitors from, from previously. And it was around, it was a bit around health and safety and it's around communication. And they found on site that a lot of communication was getting lost because it was all on WhatsApp <laughs> because that's, that's the platform that people have on their phone, right? So you join mm-hmm. a group. We, we do it at the shows, you know, so we run a show. Yes, we have walkie talkies so you can get hold of each other and whatever else, but we also set up a WhatsApp channel. So none of that information is collected. So, so if, if someone's going, Hey, such and such isn't happening or this is gone, you know, whatever, there's no, there's no report of that. And, and mm. so how do you engage people to say, okay, well, you've got to use a different platform and we need it recorded, you know, within diversified, we use teams that's on your phone. So there is logs, you've got all that information. So it's just, it's, it's, yeah, it's thinking about what's the buy-in for people. What's their kind of reason for getting involved with a new process and kind of pitching the value to them, right? Like yeah. really. Uh, and making that quite clear rather than you need to use this now because management says so or or yeah. worse because we want you to be accountable <laughs> right? yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah I, I just think there's lots of pockets so so yeah to the original question i i think that on-site off-site connection is it is all about information how we share that and how we collaborate that but each yeah. every stakeholder in that information journey is going to have a different it's going to be a different value proposition. There's going to be different benefits for them. I think just making understanding that and making that clear is, is probably going to be one of the big, the big asks. Mm. Okay, Ollie. So w- we were talking about people being at the heart of this and needing to know and understand how the tech works and massively being on board with what the organisation is doing in terms of technology and what they're bringing, uh, bringing to the the company. Um, now there was a blog post on your site by Autodesk and the title with 10 new roles construction teams will need by 2028. Okay. So yeah, you've got five years to figure this out, but can you name any of them, any of those roles? Yeah. So I, th- I think the, the big one is a, is a bit of a, I guess, evolution of, of a role. So it's so okay. the information manager, right? So, okay. UK BIM Alliance, formerly now NEMA, have changed a lot of the language they're using to think not just about BIM. BIM certainly still exists; it's still part of the of, of, of the job. But their focus is on information management, and it's it's opening that up. So it's not just as a design design tool, not just from a modelling perspective. It's actually thinking about one of better phrase you could reference golden thread, but you could think about where that information goes throughout a project, feeds into digital twin, building safety, build everything. So there's a bit of a, a flip from a BIM manager to actually this is bigger, it's more expansive, it's changing that language up. Some of it is around thinking about the asset owner, operator, developer, you know, and what's their piece in it because it's mm-hmm. construction, isn't their part of it? Is BIM where they want to be, you know, or actually is it right? It's information management. How do I understand what my building is, how it's performing? how it needs, you know, how it could be retrofitted, maintained, where the value is, what the energy usage is, all that kind of stuff. So I think a bit of a flip towards that information managers is, is okay, a yeah. more expansive role. That's a bit of a flavor of what we, what we, what we have currently, right? Like ultimately. So I think you've got that. I think the, the, the job role that surprised me most in a way when it, when I saw it on our registration list was data scientist, but you've got data okay. scientist, data analyst, which Again, this this bit around, I think we're actually have moved on quite a bit more than we probably give credit for. I, I years ago when I started out working with for Building Magazine and Building, 
I don't think we had many data scientists within our readership. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't think that was really a, a, a job role that was there. That's going to have a real, and, and now we're seeing them, right? Like they're coming to the show. They, these are people that are being employed. They're roles that have been created. Certainly when we start thinking about artificial intelligence and AI, that's going to be a real opportunity, um, yeah. you know, in terms of potentially companies creating their own solutions feasibly to, to tasks they're seeing them. Um, but also, I think now we've got a bit more of a grip on data in the built environment, why it's so important, what we, you know, what kind of insights we can be gaining from it. Those roles, I think, are going to be really interesting um, for sure. Um, any guise of AI, <laughs> you know, I think. Yeah, yeah. Although, although, you know, back to that bit around technology, you made the comment earlier, and I didn't pick up on it at the time, but it's, we assume technology is going to be AI and robots and drones. And when we're not seeing a building site with a robot moat, you know, kind of mooching around the site, doing mundane tasks and a drone flying overhead, we feel that we're not developing enough, I guess. Mm. And there are other key roles that I think we're going to see. It's, it's why I've referenced information management and that data piece, I think, above, okay. above all. But yeah, AI is definitely going to be one that I think we're all going to have to think about in some way, like it or not. Um, sure. So I think they're ones for sure. Um, yeah, and there's, there's a mix. Computational manager, engineers, I think is another one. Um, but yeah, the information management data, I think are going to be the real, I think we're going to see that a lot, lot more. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So just for those that were playing at home, the 10 that were listed, <laughs> and this does lead on to a question, but the 10 that were listed were, yeah, you got AI, drone operator was one, but I think that's pretty rife now, to be honest. You know, that's, that's yeah. something that's, that's needed now. Uh, sustainability and green building, um, building assembly technician. I think that that's linked to MMC and, and, and things like that, uh, you know, in, in the factory and doing a lot more in terms of that computational part of it, which computational engineer was on there, cybersecurity, robot resources, data analysts, which you mentioned, software developers specific to te uh, construction um, and information manager, which we, we started with. So with, with those in mind, who's going to fill these roles? Is it are we going to replace current roles, which I don't think we will. Some will. Obviously, it'll be more of a transition. But are we going to have an influx of new specialists? Is it about upskilling everybody in the industry? Or is it just going to be a complete and utter mixture? I guess hopefully a mix, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. I think anything you, you read around kind of career development now and and technology's impact is this this sort of phrase of continuous development continuous learning right like that's mm. that's i don't think we're in a world now from a technology standpoint where you can master ai is the one right like you, you, i don't think you're going to sit and mark AI and go, okay that's what ai does that's that's it for the for the built environment yeah we've got that ticked off the list and move on to the next there's going to be continuous advancements continuously new ways of working continuously you know moving the dial right so so i think from a career perspective there's that necessity to constantly learn and reiterate and change the way we think and, and adapt to new ways of working and you see that a bit you know i'm i'm of a generation certainly my you know where you work for a company and you're a company person you know and that was it you had your job now you move to the you know multiple 
different roles, different companies, and that's the expectation. Maybe you get back to being single company, but having multiple roles within that company, you, you know, and you have that kind of portfolio career or whatever else. So I think, I think people are going to need to change and, and adapt. I think the talk a lot around AI is that it's going to replace jobs, same with robots. You know, I think if you looked at the automotive industry, that's it's not really been the case. You know, it's changed roles yeah. for sure, mm -hmm. but it's not like automotive is just run by robots now. Um, you know, and then AI is going to do all the design work and that's it. No people involved whatsoever, right? So I think technology will and should augment what we do rather than yeah. replace jobs. And then it's around adding your human specialist, like, you know, your, your sort of specialism, your insight, your knowledge, your kind of what layer can you put on top of that whilst removing the mundane tasks that stop you being from, from being productive in the first place. So I, I don't think it's as clear a swathe of, right, that's it, all the old jobs are gone. We need to bring new people in. Your, your expertise is no longer welcome. It's how do we take your 30, 40 years of expertise and understanding of materials and buildings and what clients, you know, and all that kind of stuff, and then, and then apply a technology value add to it. So I think there's, there's a bit of that changing careers. I do think, and I, I, I'm fairly passionate about this, I think it's an opportunity for construction and built environment to open its doors a little bit more and yeah. change the image that we have. And I think about it and I think construction has this white male majority, you know, uh, workforce, right? Like ultimately that's, that's, that's where it's come from. That's, that's the, you know, that's the background, that's everything else. Rightly, wrongly, right? That's where we're at. You've then got tech, which is probably also quite a white male dominated industry, right? You know, I think it's boys and video games probably to, from a starting point. Um, and so I've always thought you've got two industries that have a bit of a, 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 a balance that needs addressing there in terms of yeah. diversity, equity, inclusion, that whole piece. People talk about diversity of thought, um, but also just opening the doors to different, different viewpoints, different ways of working. And I think bringing those two, that tech and that construction industry together is an opportunity to, to change both rather than doubling down on what we've already got. Um, so I, I, I think it's an opportunity for us to do a lot more on that recruitment, to bring different mindsets in, to bring people with different backgrounds in, maybe from other industries or sectors or, you know, from different areas of study or whatever else. So I, I think there's going to be a mix, but I, I do think it's an opportunity for us to look at some of those diversity challenges that we have as an industry and in tech and say, okay, well, this is, this is something different. We're looking at how we build, operate, design, build, operate buildings differently like your involvement and your expertise so i think it's an exciting time um mm. I, I i do think the big bit is going to be this sort of continuous learning and and that i think is going to be a constant in most probably most careers and most professions i imagine yeah yeah i think there's going to be a lot more transitions within careers in, in terms of the skills that are required just because of the the, the rate that technology changes nowadays uh, you know it's not going to be a uh, i'm going to do this for my entire some people will but i'm going to do this for my entire career particularly if if anything digital is is involved um i mean that was really really eloquently answered i've, I've got literally nothing to add to that because it was just absolutely <laughs> bang, bang on the money so thanks for for doing that <laughs> um, it's all right <laughs> 
Finally. I'm glad I can help. Glad I got one. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We finally got one. <laughs> uh, right. Okay. So, fin final part of it, this chat. Um, gonna completely shift gears here. Uh, it wouldn't be right to have you on and not talk about Digital Construction Week in some way, shape, or form. I've kind of avoided that because. Um, whether you like it or not, I'm going to get you back on to talk about Digital Construction Week closer to the event. <laughs> so, you know, you, you're booked in for that already. But for number one, let's get the elephant out the room. It's a week and yeah, lasts yeah. for three days. <laughs> <laughs> in, in inside joke, Ollie, Ollie, Ollie knows yeah, that yeah, joke. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there is, there was, there was some thinking behind it. This is, I'm laughing because it's a bit of an inside joke. Between, we've yeah. had the conversation about it. Uh, in the uh, in the office as well, it's the question that I get asked the most. So, so we, we launched the event 2015, Diversified, who I work for now, acquired us 2019. Um, and so not everyone was there at that start of that journey. So only I really know the, the idea of it's a week. And I, I guess the idea really was was to, I suppose, be more than the sum of its parts, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, so I, I still feel with the show that, and it's why I don't do a huge number of podcasts and things like this is there are a lot more intelligent you know exciting passionate people than I, i'm just a, a passionate and interested party i see it so i always wanted dsw to offer a platform i guess to engage more people in this great mm. thing that time was beam and technology and everything else so the, the the dream and the idea was to have other events running through the week and we would um support and offer a a wider audience basically i guess lots of other yeah. stuff so we we did have a westminster reception we had some different events way back when uh baystone did a, a construct disrupt event three repo did their british so the idea was to have lots of events going on through the week if i'm really honest as as two people running the show and running around that bit kind of <laughs> fell by the way but by that point we'd um we picked the name out so, <laughs> so absolutely as you know the week I'm, I'm you know I, i'll take it <laughs> <laughs> so, so joking aside if if i was to come to you and say i'm interested digital construction week but i need to maximize my budget um what what would you advise me yeah so i so this is without really getting sales pitch i i guess ultimately this sure. with events generally um we always try with exhibitors to do more than just have them exhibit right so it's not just selling carpet tiles take some space and hope you hope someone stumbles across you in a room of 180 odd other exhibitors you know so we offer the opportunity for all our exhibitors to speak to present we do newsletters so there's opportunity to do some promotion in the in the run-up and in the lead-in um and i think it, making the most of it get involved in stuff like speaking you know we've got a tech stage that's only open for exhibitors but we've got 10 other seminar theaters where you know, most of our exhibitors ultimately are offering solutions to a lot of the challenges that we're talking about in the built environment, right? They're, they're, they're ones that are saying, okay, you want to have great visibility of your data. You want to improve your the way that you go out to tender or manage your health and safety challenges, whatever else. We've got a solution to do that. So most people come to the show, you know, are kind of keen to find out some of this stuff. So get involved in speaking, put some sessions forward. We do our call for speakers coming out later this month all being well so get in submit because the opportunity to speak is a great way of going hey no sales pitch right <laughs> kind of like we're doing yeah. here this is how yeah. we can help this is how we've helped other other of your customers peers whoever else have a listen to us 
maybe it works for you and then come and have a chat with us our stand same with all the kind of pre-event marketing and everything else if i'm really honest that goes for most most events any sector is make mm -hmm. the most of it the, the the ones any exhibitor that gets the least value i always think are the ones that and for whatever reason super busy doing too many events doing loads of other stuff having a day job roll into the event without doing that prep without having made the most mm -hmm. out of the out of those channels and I, I do think there's a big part of that is is we love content from our exhibitors so we always say throw it at us so i think just if there's an opportunity to do stuff i know it makes i know it's not as easy going i'll just write a case study because i know it takes time i know it's a bit more work but make the most of those opportunities for sure and do that kind of prep work to make the most out of the show and even things like uh you know do an evening event do a drinks mm -hmm. at, at one of the bars you know we we get say six and a half thousand people coming to dcw they're all in around the space and you know judging by the, the sort of the beer we go through on that drinks on the end of the wednesday uh, i think pretty, people are pretty keen to carry on the networking and socializing so it, you know it's bits like that that can just offer you a nice easy win um to get more out of it but yeah speaking doing the prep making the most of the sort of the build-up I, I, yeah any show that's probably sucking eggs territory but that's definitely mine yeah you say that but it's it's so easy to fall into that category of we've put the show we've we've got the pack we've done our health and safety we've done all that kind of stuff that's tick box uh, we're ready it, it, it's so easy yeah, to, yeah. to fall to fall into that and 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 without a doubt fall into that trap of well people will want to see us right you know people want to buy our product you know yes. and without doing any of the legwork we'll we'll know they, they they just they just won't you need to give them a reason uh, a reason yeah. to stop by a reason to listen a reason to take notice and and a lot of people don't do that like you say it's it's it can be frustrating i feel yeah i think so I, I, and i get it and this is this is yeah. this doesn't come back to bite me fewer events <laughs> i you know please pick ours but the number of marketing managers to speak to who are from one to the next to the next to the next to the next yeah and they've also got a day job to do not they're not mm. you know they're not full-time event planners organizers and i think you know we saw it previous when in, in, in publishing we had 2007 recession you know we had that switch from print to digital and all the impact on there and what you saw was a lot of magazines really good ones that offered real value that offered engagement stuck around and the kind of again the longer tail the others probably didn't because mm. people picked well where do i get most value and that i think is probably a trend we're going to see as as well which is our job to try and keep ahead and make sure we're offering as much value as possible but yeah that that always surprised not surprises me but i can't imagine how challenging it is to come off of one event <laughs> and go straight yeah. into another I, I do it for a living so you know uh someone doing it's a bit of extracurricular work <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you on there. So nice, nice way to end it as well. So Ollie, thank you so much for for stopping by and and uh, chatting to me for you know a, a good 45 minutes there. I really, really do appreciate it. And so thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me, Peter. I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day and giving this a listen. If you want to chat further about anything you've heard on today's episode, have a topic technology you'd like me to cover or simply want to say hiya you'll find me on linkedin or through the emails peter at builddifferent.marketing stay disruptive